0: Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders.
1: And I'm Thad Haight.
0: And today we'll be talking about the fourth James Bond film, Thunderball.
1: You could even say this episode will strike like Thunderball.
0: It will. <laughs> that song makes no
1: sense. It makes no sense at all. Not at all. So he strikes
0: Black Thunderball was released in 1965, so we're continuing this amazing trend of every year a new James Bond movie comes out. This will be the last one that follows that trend, by the way. Um, So Thunderball was written by Richard Maybaum yet again, uh, along with Jack Hopkins. It's based on a story by Kevin McClory, Jack Whittingham, and Ian Fleming, and this is the third film in the series directed by Terrence Young. It's also his last film that he directed, so this is Terence Young's swan song, so to speak, uh, in the Bond franchise. It's worth, I think, talking a little bit about the backstory of this film. I don't know that how much you know about, you know, the whole Kevin McClory saga.
1: I know it's the reason that um when we finally kill off Blowfield, we don't even say who he is and give him it's just a tiny, short little scene.
0: <laughs> yes, that that does happen. This story is the origination of Spectre and and all of what they do, and you know when they came out to make the first film, they copied Spectre over to Dr. No and have been dealing with Spectre throughout, other than in Goldfinger. And uh, that was something that Kevin McClory always claimed that was his idea, and he threatened to sue, or did sue, the Bond franchise multiple times over the course of his life, really. And the whole saga didn't really come to a close until his death. Yeah. So my understanding is that, you know, after a few successful novels, uh, Ian Fleming was approached by Kevin McClory to possibly do a James Bond film, and that's when they sat down and they hashed out this idea for Thunderball. Ian Fleming kind of got bored of the screenwriting process and for whatever reason decided to give up on the project. He then went off and, you know, to to Kevin McClory's credit, I think he's a little bit right to be peeved here. He, Ian Fleming, wrote a novel called Thunderball that was essentially the same story. So he really did kind of steal Some story ideas from McClory and Whittingham Kevin McClory actually is credited as as the producer on this film Not Broccoli and Saltzman And uh, yeah, so that's how they satisfied Kevin McClory At least for a time Uh, He would then later get the rights to the story And then remake it as Never Say Never Again Which I would argue is not as good as this film
1: Uh, Yeah It's been a very long time since I've seen it though So we'll see
0: so one thing that I did find funny and this continues our trend from last time uh, the the amusing 1960s poster that just has the phrase look up and the K is the double O and the OOK is the 007 yes. logo <laughs> Look up, look down, look out.
1: It's still not as good as last week's.
0: No, it's still not as good as last week's, but it's still pretty silly. Yes. Um, and you know we get we go into the film we get the first gun barrel that's actually Sean Connery doing the gun barrel. They refilmed it for this film. Um, We get a a pre-credit sequence that I think clearly is them trying to one-up the last one and not quite being as successful about it. I don't know how you feel about this.
1: I would agree with that.
0: So we we open on a coffin that has the initials JB on it. I guess we're supposed to think it's James Bond for about... For thirty seconds so, or so before we so see we James have Bond,
1: two cold opens in a row, I guess, where we think James Bond is dead.
0: Well, that was in From Rush with Love. We had Goldfinger. Oh in, no, I'm thinking of the in, next one. In the interim. Oh, oh, oh! Yes, you're skipping ahead now.
1: <laughs> yeah, Goldfinger, I guess, is the odd one out. It, it doesn't make us think Bond is dead. <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the only cold open of the Connery era that doesn't involve Bond being dead. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, Bond is observing this funeral of somebody named Jacques Bouvard, who apparently is a counter-spy or agent of some kind who murdered two of his colleagues, and Bond wishes he had killed him. He then makes the observation that Bouvard's widow opens her own car door which i guess was a scandalous thing to do back in the 60s because that's all he needs to know to find out that this is all a ruse
1: yeah that's the sort of thing um that doesn't work today um it reminds me of uh have you read uh i'm sure you've read huckleberry finn right
0: oh yes yeah 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 definitely
1: so there's the time where tom sawyer is pretending to be a girl so he can get the news from a lady and find out what's happening and what the story is about him because him, he and huck are suppo- are pretending to have died and he's dressed up as a girl and he's like s- sewing with her and the lady suspects he's a boy so she drops the yarn and he uh closes his legs to catch it and she that's how she knows he's a girl he's not a girl because a girl would have spread her legs to catch it on her skirt and it's like that's the sort of thing like that <laughs> where it just doesn't work today <laughs> Well, because, I
0: mean, you know, he, he, he somehow beat, I don't quite get this, because he somehow beats Bouvard back to their house, even though he's up on a balcony, and Bouvard gets in the car and drives off, yet somehow Bond still makes it back to the house before them. He's sitting in the chair as this person dressed in a dress with a veil comes in the room. He gets up to offer his condolences and hauls off and punches the person in the face, and, you know, luckily his intuition was correct here. What if <laughs> know, <laughs> I know, right? He punches a widow or something. What
1: if she just likes <laughs> to open her own car door? I mean... Maybe.
0: Uh, yeah, what if she wanted to open her own car door? Luckily, it turns out, it is Jack Bouvard in disguise, who incidentally is played by Bob Simmons, I believe, who's the stuntman for a lot of these films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get an alternatively well-choreographed and poorly executed fight scene, I think, where there's some moments yes. that are Quite good, and others that uh, are either terrible because of yeah. editing or because of under cranking and other camera tricks they do.
1: Yeah, there are parts of that that are decent, but yes, I would agree with that.
0: My my favorite is the the infamous James Bond sliding chair technique that he uses at yeah! one point. <laughs>
1: like, how does that slide? How do, I, how? I don't is know. That floor? <laughs>
0: I do like the end. He gets the one up on the guy and he strangles him with the fire with the fire poker. Yeah. Uh, he can't resist the urge to toss the flowers onto the body as he's leaving, which is the only reason nice he touch. Gets found out. Yeah. And, and then he runs out under the roof and puts on this jet pack, jetpack. Which <laughs> um, <laughs> did he bring the jetpack with him and just leave it there? I mean, it's not uh, something that you would have, just right? happen to come across. Yeah. <laughs> So he puts on this jetpack and flies away about 10 feet from the house.
1: Yeah, see, I would have thought if you're escaping via jetpack, maybe you'd want to go farther away. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, so this is an actual jetpack. This is a real thing. And it actually does fly. It only flies about as far as you see it in the film. So maybe it was their attempt to be realistic here. Um. He then packs up the jetpack in his... Uh, Aston Martin with the woman that he was observing the funeral with they're he they were immediately set upon by these henchmen who you know again he didn't fly very far from the house so by the time he's landed they're already out the door shooting at him and he hits them with water of all things
1: yeah like we know what that car can do and it uses water
0: yeah I mean I like the transition of the water to the f- credits but at the same time I'm like couldn't they have got around the water I mean yeah. <laughs> But we, we we see the henchman drenched in water and then it fades into the Thunderball credit sequence, which I think is really the first of a long line of Morris Bender designed credits that really sets the tone for pretty much the rest of the credit sequences to follow this film.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have silhouettes of naked women, which will continue for quite a long time.
0: It will, yeah. So you said you hadn't remembered the sequence. Do you? Would you have any thoughts about it this time now that you've rewatched it?
1: Like, I vaguely remember. As I'm watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, this. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, when it started, I had no idea. He's like, oh, it's a funeral. I don't remember this at all. It wasn't until he punched the guy that I'm like, oh, yeah, this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then he gets on the jetpack. I'm like, oh, yeah. How, did, how the heck did I forget the jetpack? Uh, but yes. <laughs>
0: the, the jetpack is fairly memorable yeah so thunderball the song which is tom jones so this is well i guess it's the second time because we have matt monroe singing the from uh from russia with love song even though that wasn't in the credits uh-huh. uh it's one of one of few male sung title sequences i like the song the song makes no sense the lyrics are pretty i i, I dare to say they use the word lame frankly uh-huh. uh i i think tom jones is the right voice for these types of Credit sequences though I think he has that sound that would that fits well with a Bond film
1: yeah but yeah the song is dumb it, he will bring-
0: so this actually isn't the original theme song interesting that was there was a song called mr kiss kiss bang bang which is what the italian italian nickname for james bond i think it's another one of those things that worked better in the 60s than it does now
1: yeah no just hearing that makes me makes me giggle
0: <laughs> yeah so he wrote he wrote this song and the original plan was to have Dion warwick sing the song and have it over the opening credits Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons was John Barry hated the title Thunderball. He thought the name was dumb.
1: He's not wrong. <laughs> uh,
0: but so when he wrote the song, uh, Broccoli and Saltzman came to him and said that he had to change the title song because they United Artists, who were putting out the films, wanted the title of the song to of the title of the film to be in the song, so that when people heard the song on the radio, they would think of the movie. Mm. So he went and rewrote. Or wrote a new song at the last minute for the opening credits. Um, it was recorded by Dion Warwick. Uh, you can go look it up on YouTube if you want to. It's not a bad song.
1: Them Wazelles and danger have filled the strangest past. Like a knife, he cuts through life like every day's the last. School is from the school that loves and leaves them a pity if it greets um Mister Kiss Kiss Bang Bangs None of
0: I don't think it works well as a title song. Um there are moments in the film that the melody comes in. Uh, when he goes to the Junkanoo and ends up at the little party where they're dancing, mm-hmm. the song that they're dancing to before all the bongos come in is Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang.
1: I did not notice. Well, I don't know Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, so that's why I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, so it's
0: it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. It's not a bad song. But anyway, that's the story behind Thunderball, uh, the song, and and all of that. Um, we start off the film in Paris, because you have the Eiffel Tower conspicuously in the background.
1: All right. Has anyone in the history of the world worn an overcoat without putting their arms through their sleeves in... If they are not An arrogant asshole In a movie
0: (laughs) No uh, And they still don't Because uh, (laughs) I would say Emilio Largo Counts as an arrogant asshole
1: Yeah that's what I'm saying Yeah absolutely And that's like I'm thinking about this When I'm seeing this I'm like That is like Such a Trademark Hollywood This guy's a dick thing (laughs) That like I don't think I've ever seen anyone Actually do it in real life I don't know how he gets Out of his car (laughs) That's an excellent question.
0: Like, he gets out of his car with his coat already on his shoulders like that. <laughs> I'm like, is it attached to the inside of his coat somehow? Like, I, I don't get it. I have trouble with Largo, frankly, in this movie. Um, He's really the first part, and there are several others in this film, that is clearly something they're making fun of in Austin Powers, because he's clearly number two in Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. With the eye patch and everything. I think he works as kind of an arch bad guy. I have a hard time seeing him as the guy that dives into the water and does all the underwater stuff.
1: Yeah, that bugs me too. Like, I feel like he should be back on the bridge asking what's going on. Right. He, yeah, he's he's the guy
0: that doesn't go into harm's way. He just kind of hangs out. Uh, he's, he's a little too old, I think, for the part. Incidentally, he's dubbed by a man named Robert Rady, who dubs... Everything that's British. Two of the three main characters in this film are dubbed. Domino is also dubbed again by Nicky Vanderzil. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so this is now the fourth consecutive film where Nicky Vanderzil has dubbed a woman. At least one woman. She actually dubbed two in Doctor No. Uh so
1: You're gonna tell me that she keeps doing this and that she that she dubs Vesper Lind in uh a the scene royale aren't you <laughs>
0: no not quite
1: <laughs> she does double she she
0: does double woman in the next film uh and i i don't know if she dubs someone in Honor majesty's secret service i know she dubs solitaire in live and
1: let die yeah that's right we talked about that because i have no idea why they would do that
0: that why why do you need to dub jane seymour i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, have an issue with this entire thing. Like, why does Spectre have board meetings?
0: Well, to to
1: establish all the bad stuff they do, I guess. But, okay, it's a top-secret organization that does lots of bad stuff. Why are these, like, 15 people all read in on all all of their different (laughs) schemes? That's a great, great point.
0: This whole sequence, I think, is set up so they can have the electrocution chair.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which they also spoof in Austin (laughs) Powers
0: Absolutely they do (laughs) I mean, I do like the twist Where it's the guy that's just kind of hanging out And not really being spoken to Or communicating with number one Who's the one that's actually the one that's embezzling money
1: Yeah, I assumed that I saw that, I couldn't remember I didn't remember that, but I saw it coming
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be the guy who's not sweating
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're right I want to know You know, is there just a giant pile of bodies under this floor? Uh, Do they clean it out every once in a while? Does, you know... And and this is another example of villains and other characters having immense forethought where they're saying, we need to have a boardroom, but I need to have a means of killing people if I need to, and disposing (laughs) of their body.
1: Yeah. And the design is interesting, too. Like, we've got the weird, like, mirror walkway down the middle.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the great, another great Ken Adam set here. And the room is just enormous. There's so much wasted space. <laughs> yeah, how how big is this building that the, uh, that the front organization is in?
1: Real estate in Paris is not cheap.
0: No, and it's clearly at ground level because he goes into the building and then...
1: Yeah, and he goes right through the door, yeah.
0: This isn't an underground thing. Like, if it was an underground underground lair, as they would say in Austin Powers, I couldn't understand, but... Um, this is the last time we have the trope of Blofeld being hidden behind a screen, which, again, makes no sense in this film, because it's just...
1: It does make no sense in this film.
0: Because in, in From Russia With Love, they see his face, we just don't yeah. see his
1: face. Yeah, here it's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does he hide his face in the book?
0: No. Not to my knowledge, I don't... I don't remember. I've It's been a long time since I've read Thunderball. Um, I seem to remember they describe Blofeld in, in the book, like his physical characteristics, so I'm going to guess no. Um,
1: okay. Yeah, well, we'll get to, we'll get him up close and personal next movie.
0: We will. And he won't look anything like he looks in this film.
1: Or in the next film.
0: Or the next film. Well, that becomes a re- recurring thing. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we get this
0: long setup that is essentially to let... Largo, who's Spectre number two, get up and start describing this plot where they're going to steal atomic weapons and hold the NATO powers' ransom for 100 million pounds.
1: Well, I'm thinking, again, of Austin Powers. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: what? this film and the next film are definitely the two that are the oh, most, most made fun of in Austin Powers. Yeah. Because next time we get the secret volcano lair... Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: well, Frau Farbissina is from for, from Russia with love, but yes, Th-
0: that is true. <laughs> well, she yeah, she's she's either from from Russia with love or on Her Majesty's Secret Service or a combination of the two.
1: Yeah, that's fair. She's probably more of a combination of the two. You're right.
0: Number two is describing the fact that Count Lippy is who's one of the dumbest names in Bond. <laughs> yes,
1: and why don't. All the Spectre people have numbers. Why do they have names? This is a very bad secret organization. I guess you get a number when
0: you're a certain position.
1: I feel like if you're, you if you've got a tattoo,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like I, I made this remark later in my notes um, that both Bond and all the people in these organizations are just really bad at being secret
1: yeah
0: oh bond is al- bond uh, is always
1: just saying he's James Bond it's ridiculous right <laughs>
0: yeah yeah we meet count Lippi who does have the tongue tattoo on his arm uh he's be- he and in- he runs into James Bond who happens to be at this he- health clinic too which is just very fortuitous for mi6 I would say in the book and in- actually they even do a better job of this in never say never again where they're commenting that bond is a bit out of shape and he needs to detox essentially Mm -hmm. uh in in the book thunderball it's revealed that james bond has a three pack a day habit of cigarettes which if you do the math that's 60 cigarettes every day wow yeah so he you know he needs to detox so he's off at this how
1: does he run anywhere
0: i don't know i mean i know the times were a bit different then but i don't know how he would be able to be at all athletic if he smoked that many cigarettes a day
1: yeah no the times being different just means it was acceptable to do that it doesn't mean that he was any healthier
0: <laughs> there, there's a funny moment in the book where he's because uh, i started reading the book and and it just didn't get very far but mm-hmm. the the mi6 doctor is talking to bond about how many cigarettes he smokes and he actually says you know they have higher nicotine Cigarettes, so that you could get the same amount of nicotine but smoke fewer cigarettes. I'm like, that's not a good solution. Like,
1: I mean, yes and
0: no. I mean, it would be.
1: It's better it, for your lungs. I guess. The '60s were an interesting time. Uh,
0: they were an interesting time, and and I feel that we're we're just taking forever getting to this part because i actually hate this entire section of the film
1: i do too also i think while mentioning that bond smokes all the cigarettes uh, it's probably worth mentioning that ian fleming did smoke himself to death
0: he did yeah i think there's there's a lot of of ian fleming and james bond actually i think yeah uh, his own his own bad habits around alcohol women and smoking in particular.
1: Yeah, uh, drinking uh, enough vodka for three and smoking <laughs> three packs of cigarettes. Right. <laughs> but yes, I hate this scene too. This sequence. Uh, so yeah, we get Bond getting a massage. And... Yes, he's
0: getting a massage from this nurse named Pat, who is the only joy in this, dr- in this dreadful place. Well, she's the Bond. only
1: employee at all, apparently, so... She okay. is
0: the only employee at all. We will talk about that in a little bit. I think uh, <laughs> he he gets up and you know she goes off with Count Lippy.
1: Bond notices Lippy's tattoo.
0: Bond notices Lippy's tattoo. Calls into Money Penny, who says, "You're off duty. I'll deal with it when you get back." There's the weird yogurt and lemon juice line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what is that? So Money Penny says she'll deal with his request later because he's off duty and bond says something like i'll put you across my knee next time i see you which is also terrible over the phone
1: yeah no that is definitely harassment
0: yes and then bond says or money penny says to bond on yogurt and lemon juice i can hardly wait
1: i guess she's implying that he won't be strong enough to do that
0: yeah because he's been at the health clinic and been eating nothing but yogurt and lemon juice i guess this whole this whole part is weird sadly this is the
1: least offensive sexual assault situation we get in this entire section of the film. Yeah. So then Bond sees that Count Lippy is going for a drive, and he decides to break into his room which has a brass plate that says Count Lippy on the door. <laughs> yeah I know <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. Does he live here? <laughs> <laughs> I, does I wanna know if James Bond's room has a James Bond plaque on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he then, this weird looking guy in bandages looks into the room at one point. We don't know who he is
1: yet. Bond sneaks out but grabs a grape before he can because he's Bond.
0: He then goes for another session with Pat. Uh, gets handsy. Uh, at one point kisses her rather forcefully.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. No, he just grabs her and, yeah, assaults yeah.
0: her. Yeah. His, and then her response is to st- strap him down onto a traction table and leave him
1: there. Because it's the only way she can feel safe with him.
0: Yeah. Have I mentioned that I really don't like this part of the movie? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So so she leaves him alone, and Count Lippy comes in and turns up the machine, because, of course, a machine could kill you if you turn it up too high.
1: Right, because obviously you would build it with that setting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Luckily, Pat comes back in time to save him.
1: And she says, oh, you must have accidentally hit it. Like, his arms aren't tied to the machine.
0: Right. And he's too far away to reach it anyway. There's no yeah. way that could work.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Incidentally, we do see uh, evidence of Sean Connery's arm tattoos in this scene. Oh, really? Yeah. He, had a, he has a tattoo on his right arm that they tried to cover up with makeup and failed huh. uh, to do so.
1: We also see more evidence that he shaves his back.
0: We do. He He does have a very smooth back for considering how much hair he has on the rest of his body. <laughs> Hopefully this is the last reference to Bond's back hair that we're going to have in this show.
1: Speaking of Bond's hair, I do feel like in the in the beginning of the movie, uh, both in the very in the first in the pre-credit scene and at the health clinic, his fake hair looks especially fake. Yeah,
0: it it it's too dark. Yeah, it's too dark and it just doesn't move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're full on toupee here.
1: Oh God, yes, and it, it
0: and it will only get worse from here on out.
1: So then Bond turnabout is fair play. He locks Count Lippy in a little steam thing and turns the heat up.
0: Right, with with a broom that's conveniently left there. And again, we get evidence that there's nobody working at this health clinic because no, because
1: no one can hear him scream or anything.
0: No one can hear him scream. We we did skip over the totally egregious and awful moment where Bond threatens to tell Pat's bosses about
1: yeah okay so i don't think he start so all right to give bond a tiny amount of credit i don't think he intended to threaten pat's bosses from the beginning i think he was making a comment about what he's going to do to lippy right and pat inferred that he well oh no what are you that you're not gonna tell his bosses and then the problem there is that bond leans into it and is like well i won't if you do something for me and then it's just like
0: yikes he backs her into the steam room and yeah he
1: rapes her yes yeah that's (sighs) quid pro quo that is yeah yeah.
0: and and we talked last week about how egregious the pussy galore situation was in the barn i think this is even worse oh it's because yeah it's definitely worse not only is he coercing this woman but she's clear there's clearly a power dynamic here that didn't exist with pussy galore that makes this all the more gross and disgusting.
1: I would absolutely agree. This is just Ugh.
0: If I had never seen this movie before or hadn't seen other Bond films before, I don't know if I would get through the rest of it. I don't know if I'd want to watch the rest of this.
1: I would this yeah, point. no, absolutely cuz it's disgusting.
0: Thankfully the rest is not nearly as awful. There are some bad 60s moments in it, but
1: but nothing to this level. Yeah.
0: Um we find out that now Pat is willingly sleeping with Bond at this point, uh, making it convenient because, again, she's the only employee at this health (laughs) clinic. Um, We then meet two new people. We meet a woman who we don't know yet is Fiona Volpe, who is working for Spectre and a attache pilot by the name of Francois Duval and she's posing as his secretary or has been embedded as his secretary. He goes to leave because he's been called down because he has to go on some sort of mission that we're going to find out about later. He opens the door and comes face to face with himself.
1: Which must have been a real trip.
0: Yeah. I think this this is obviously rear projection, but I think it works relatively well, especially because he gets... The, the real Durval gets gassed by the fake one, and they do a good job of actually having the smoke appear in front of the screen. Yes. So this, the smoke actually hits the actor's face, uh, even though that there's a screen there. So I think they they handle that little double shot pretty well, I think.
1: Uh, the video quality is slightly worse for the double through the projection. It is. It's the only, it's the only nitpick I have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, we find out that this is the guy who was in the bandages earlier, and his it's a guy named Angelo who is going to take the place of the real pilot, for this mission that we still don't quite know what's happening yet.
1: Not before he demands
0: more money, though. Right,
1: and I'm, it's like, in what universe would a
0: guy think that blackmailing Spectre would work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course this is going to go well.
1: They probably would have killed him even if he hadn't demanded more money, let's be fair. I, I think they would have too, yeah.
0: So Duval goes off, or the fake Duval goes off, and I think this is an interesting plot idea, this whole... We're going to pose on this plane and hijack the plane to steal the nuclear weapons. It just takes way too long for me. Yes. Uh, running time-wise. Well, I think this is the longest movie yet. It is. And it's going to start a trend, I think, for the most part. hmm we, we do see an ambulance come back with the dead Durval that Bond sees through the window. He goes to investigate... He finds the dead the body, he sees Derval, he... There's a guy who sticks a gun through the window and he clubs him and then hangs the telephone around his head, which I think is kind of funny.
1: Yeah, I like that. He, he's pretending he doesn't know they're there, but he, yeah. Right. That was good.
0: He then sets off the fire alarm, he then hits on some random woman, just because he's Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, could it have been the front doorbell?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it most certainly was not.
0: Could, <laughs> <Good>. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we get the whole scene of this plane being hijacked. Now, I want to know, this has been described by the officials who are briefing the pilots earlier, that this is a training flight. Why do you have atomic bombs on a plane that's on a training flight?
1: <laughs> I was wondering this. Couldn't they have like some sort of dummy or something that like fakes yeah. the same size and weight? Yeah, yeah, I mean, dumb. maybe
0: the weight would, would affect how you would fly the plane, but mm-hmm. these guys also, all of these pilots look, they don't look like young people. They don't look like they need training.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: So he hijacks the plane and then flies it really low over the water. We see a yacht that turns out to be the Disco Volante, which is the yacht that Largo has. I think this is a cool idea, like the the whole, all we're right. going to land the plane on the water and then yes. sink.
1: I like that. Mm -hmm. why are they hiding the nukes in a secret underground underwater uh, hiding hole instead of just putting them on the ship?
0: It looks like they have the storage area for the bombs. But why? But maybe maybe they don't... I I don't know if I'd want to have nuclear weapons on my ship just to have them there. That makes every Uh, ship cooler, Carl. I guess. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't have an answer for that other than because the plot says they have an underground hiding space for these... Bombs.
1: Yeah, I mean the the plot requires it, but it just seems it. We come back to Bond villains making in installing completely unnecessary, like ridiculous uh, facilities.
0: Yes. Yeah. But that's what makes it Bond.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Here's here's the first time where we have Largo going underwater, which I I don't buy. No. There, there's a moment later where his they do a really bad job with the stunt guy's hair because he doesn't wear a a swim cap where he's clearly not the actor that plays Largo. (laughs) Um, We, yeah, so then there's a really long sequence of Largo going in, killing Angelo. Angelo's uh, seatbelt is jammed or something, and he can't get out, and then Largo cuts his air supply and leaves him to drown, as you would. Oh, yeah. They then, go and, they then go and remove the bombs. Um, I like the little label on the bomb, bomb that says handle like eggs.
1: <laughs> yes. That was good.
0: <laughs> I don't know if real bombs say that, but I think that's a funny little thing to put on a nuclear weapon. Uh, we find out that number one is unpleased with Count Lippe because he chose Angelo and risked the project and sends out a message to the execution branch to
1: take care of him, which sounds ominous to me. Oh, but before this, when um Largo gets back on the ship, uh, he takes off his wetsuit, and he puts on a sport jacket without a shirt.
0: Yes, he does.
1: Who does that?
0: <laughs> the same people that wear overcoats without putting their arms through the sleeves.
1: <laughs> I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, right.
1: the, the blue double-breasted suit coat that he puts on <laughs> without a shirt. And then of course we got, we cut to the, like uh, the next scene and he's wearing a shirt under it. So at some point he took it off, put a shirt on and put it back on.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we call continuity problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Bond finally leaves shrublands. Thank God. Yep. Uh, before essentially blowing off Pat who wants to see him again. And he's like another time, another place. And, and we um, have
1: a rear projection car scene again.
0: We have your rear projection again.
1: I, I, I kind of like this, how uh, Count Lippy's about to, you know, start attack or does fire a gun at him, and Bond pulls, opens up the control panel. We think we're going to see the car doing its thing again, and nope, Lippy gets killed.
0: Yep, yeah, Lippy gets blown up by a motorcycle that shoots a rocket at him.
1: That's a pretty sweet motorcycle and probably costs a lot of money and seems ridiculous to just ditch it in a lake immediately afterward.
0: Yeah, especially since I don't think people are gonna have trouble finding it if that's what the whole point of ditching the motorcycle is. Yeah, and I don't know where Fiona Volpe is gonna go at this point. Is she just gonna walk away or hitch a ride with Bond or something? Uh, I mean, the opposite happens later, but it does. I actually like her character a lot in this book in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think she's a very interesting addition. I think, and she's really the first time we see a villainous woman. Yes. Other than maybe. Rosa Klebb who's not in the film much
1: right no I I actually really like she's a more interesting character than Largo
0: yeah I actually in one of my notes I said she should have been the arch villain of this movie instead so this is when Bond goes back to MI6 headquarters Uh, we get a a cute variation of the hat toss where he goes to toss his hat and then realizes Emma's moved the hat stand right next to the door
1: yes I love that (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just see the disappointment on his face. Yeah, yeah
0: He's oh, it's right here. Okay. Uh, Money Penny tells him that all of the agents have been called in and they're in this briefing room and
1: which is like also ridiculously enormous.
0: It is. It's it. it, it it's it's a really cool visual. It makes yeah. no sense at all. They have the world's most expensive map that they address for about three seconds behind a giant painting
1: yeah well if the map shows up again later doesn't it it does yeah yeah because you have the guy pointing where the latitude and longitude is later
0: right right i like the look of m's face as bond strolls in he's clearly the last one to make it and he just said well now that we're all here
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we get the briefing we meet the home secretary for the first time who i think his entire role in this film is to say how much time they have left and that they're gonna have to pay up the ransom pretty much they, they play a tape from number one who says they're going to blow up a major American or UK city uh, if they don't pay the ransom of 100 million pounds. Uh, and then they say, we're going to go give every agent their own set of orders individually. We we go in and, and we obviously don't see any of the other meetings. We find out that M is sending Bond to Canada. And my response is, Bond doesn't go to Canada. Come on. I don't think, has Bond ever been to Canada? I don't think so. I, I, we might, I might be proven wrong at some point, but I don't believe Canada has ever
1: been a... Yeah, I don't remember Canada in a Bond film. U.S., plenty of times. Mexico, yes, but not Canada.
0: Yeah, never Canada. No. Uh, yeah, so then he says, well, there's a photo in the dossier that you gave me, and it has the guy, Derval, in it, and I saw him at the health clinic, and he was dead. And I think you should send me to Nassau... Bahamas instead because that's where his sister is.
1: I like where he first asks you should he first says you should send me to nassau and Emma's like, for some reason other than your enthusiasm for water sports. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> He's
0: like, well this photo. We get more banter with with money. This is this is my favorite banter with Money Penny so far. Uh she's basically teasing him about the photo of derval's sister.
1: Smashing figure. I don't suppose that has anything to do with your request.
0: Is there ever a man more misunderstood?
1: Now, James, you can't pull the wool over my eyes. You may be able to con the old man, but I know better. I could... So do I, Miss Penny, And I'll thank you not to refer to me as the old man. <laughs> yes. And then Bond's hat is missing.
0: Bond's hat is missing, but I like his, like, oh, I think I had a hat. Like, he's just trying to get himself out of a very uncomfortable situation. Like, oh. His hat is missing, though, at this point.
1: Yes, which I thought was amusing. Presumably Money Penny hit it.
0: Maybe. That would make sense. We find out that uh, Domino, who we don't know yet, uh, has two moles on her left thigh. That's how Bond's going to recognize her. I don't know how he knows this from the photo, frankly, but anyway.
1: We cut to her left thigh. I don't actually think we ever see the moles on it, though. Which is, like, it was a nice little cutover to, because, like, you see her thigh immediately, but there's no moles on it. Yeah. Oh, well. More bad continuity. Yeah. Like, it starts out being good continuity, but, like, fails so easily. If they could give Christopher Lee a fake nipple, they could give her fake (laughs) (laughs) malt. Oh,
0: the fake nipple. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. I'd I'd almost forgotten about the fake nipple. (laughs) We get some lovely 60s sexism where Bond says that Domino swims like a man. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and we find out that he's on his other boat with his assistant, who is played by one of the women from the cat fight in, from Russia with Love.
1: Yes, she is. But she's also the woman from the beginning at the, at the, the who was helping him at the funeral, isn't she?
0: No, no, that's somebody else.
1: Oh, I assumed it was the same woman. Okay.
0: No, no, it's, it's somebody else.
1: But yes, yeah, she definitely is one of the women from the cat fight.
0: Bond makes the most obvious attempt to tag along with Domino that she just goes along with. And I, <laughs> I would like to choose to believe that she's going along with it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like Domino a lot, actually. Yeah. And that's not just because I think Claudine Auger is gorgeous. I think she's the best written of the Bond girls so far. Where she has... Conflict. She has these different loy- loyalties that she has to kind of deal with at, at different times. She's also sometimes one step ahead of Bond in a lot of ways, especially early on that I like a lot.
1: Yeah, no, I, I really like her. Now, I would, I would actually, I would, you know, if I can be, you know, uh, if I can be permitted to make a comment here, I would say that Fiona Volpe is more attractive than Domino. Yeah,
0: I would, I could go along with that. I think they
1: they are both, both quite of. attractive, but.
0: They are both quite attractive, yeah. Anyway, um, we get this weird double following moment of them leaving. The first of all, they they ride their motorboat right up to the beach, which I think is a safety hazard, frankly. Yes. <laughs> and then this guy runs out and turns it around, and I don't know what he's going to do with this boat at this point.
1: Anything goes in the Bahamas, man.
0: Yeah, they yeah, I guess so. Uh, Domino and Bond hop out and start walking across the beach, and we see some guy following them. And then another guy following them that sort of reminds me a bit of the way the Bulgars were trailing the, the Turkish people in From Russia With Love. But we don't know who either of these people are at this point.
1: Well, it had been a, it has been a while since I'd seen Thunderball. So, like, I was remembering things as I watched them. But I did not remember Felix Leiter was in this movie. I still didn't until I, I saw that scene. I'm like, oh, that's got to be Felix Leiter.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, I still didn't remember his role in this movie, but I'm like, oh, no, that's got to be Felix Leiter.
0: Yeah, this is where, again, they're playing around with the fact that they keep recasting Felix Leiter so we can pretend that this is some suspicious guy that we're not supposed to know. It's it's one of the issues I have with a lot of the times they do this in Bond, where they put Bond in a situation where we think he's in danger, and it just turns out Felix Leiter is being a dick <laughs> and and just messing with him.
1: Well, Bond is a dick to Felix later in a bit, so...
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll talk more about Felix later when that happens.
1: But seriously, like, no, like, the guy is wearing a suit on the beach. Yeah. There are just so many wardrobe problems. There, there are, yeah. Like...
0: So, we can talk about him now, I guess. I, I'm not... He's not as bad as C, C. Linder and no, some of not. the others. I'm I'm still not a big Rick Van Neuter fan. I... I know, I write him off as a bit of a mimbo in this movie. He he's clearly the guy who's not supposed to be quite up to speed as Bond. Yes. In a lot of ways, he's competent at times, but he's always kind of having the oh yeah you're right kind of reaction to when Bond says something mm-hmm. that bugs me a little bit. Um, I would I kind of put him in the middle tier I guess of acceptable Felix Leiters that don't damage the film, but I don't really care for him either.
1: Would that be Felix's lighter?
0: Felix's lighter, yeah. No, genuine felix lighter that that's in uh live and let die when when he talks to him through the cigarette lighter of the car ha! but anyway we go to a, yet another casino and they're playing de fer again
1: which i actually understand now because i have read <laughs> casino royale <laughs> <laughs>
0: my under like i feel like this game is almost all luck
1: yeah oh god yeah so, like, you you feel like, oh, Bond's winning. He must be really good at this. No, he's just getting the, be- the best cards. He's getting lucky.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's getting lucky. this is Which is why I do appreciate that they changed it to poker in Casino Royale in the film. Because yeah. that, you actually have to have some kind of skill in being able to read people and stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you do have to read people a little bit in Chemin de Ferre to assume whether or not they actually are, have it. Because they could, people could yeah. show whether they have a good hand or not through body language.
0: Right. True. True. And, and I don't know, if is this the first time we see the Spectre ring?
1: I think so. And is it a Spectre ring, or is it... It becomes a Spectre ring later, but is it a Largo thing?
0: Well, because... I don't know, because Fiona Volpe has one as well.
1: Right, but does that make it Spectre?
0: Not necessarily, I guess. Because we don't... I mean, we, we assume she works for Spectre because she's the one that kills Lippe when they call the execution branch to deal with him. Um, I don't know. I mean... This, that's it's another example. That's where I wrote my note about how these people are bad at being secret because he's wearing a very conspicuous ring. James Bond goes up to this guy and introduces himself as James Bond. We have this weird moment where he cleans out Largo, and then Domino says, "Oh, you're supposed to buy me a drink," and he's like, "No, I want to win my money back." And then Bond says, "I'll go buy her a drink," and Largo says, "Okay, you can borrow my mistress for a while." Um, I'd like to think maybe he's just sending her on so he can get more info on him because he immediately asks, you know, what did you talk about with Bond? But it just, I don't know, I find it odd that Largo lets this person he just met go and borrow his woman for a while.
1: That was weird. Yeah, he's like, he, and he even, he like, acts as if Bond is doing him a favor by doing it too. Right, exactly. I would appreciate that if you would do that.
0: Um, we also, I should also say we see Felix Leiter sitting at the table somewhere with the sunglasses on indoors, which is another douchey look for him. Uh, Yes. And I think this is a decent scene we get with Domino and Bond. You know, they're kind of learning a bit more about each other at this point. Um, I like the part when she has to leave and Bond immediately makes a pass and she calls him out for being obvious. And Bond's comment is, well, when one has little time, one sort of has to be obvious. Like he knows that he's just to, to again, borrow a line from another show. You know he's going at her at warp ten at this point, <laughs> and only when Invisible he At least he, yeah, he at least. God, he at least acknowledges this at this point.
1: I mean, it, it it does work, and they definitely have considerable chemistry because he's James Bond. Yes, more chemistry than she has with Largo for sure.
0: Well, I think it's, you know, she she plays off being his niece, and then it's like, well, that's better than kept woman, and she. She's clearly fallen out of interest in him. Yeah. And she admits that much to Bond. So I think that makes sense. We get the scene back at the hotel where Felix knocks on the door and starts to say 007 and gets punched in the stomach for it. Which, on the face, I like. But then they go into the bathroom. We get the immediate steam in the bathroom again.
1: <laughs> that's just how That's just how, Um, it's a requirement anytime James Bond books a hotel room he's like i must have a bathtub that gives me steam as soon as i turn the faucet handle.
0: <laughs> instant hot hot water yeah um i like how you know he he figures out that there's a guy hiding in there because he had a recording he had a little recording device inside a book yes um, he hears the guy go into the shower he then turns on the hot water and then slams the door in his face as he tries to get out and then he immediately says, you were about to say 007, while the guy is right there in front of him. Like, yep. <laughs> then why did you punch later for if you're going to out yourself immediately anyway?
1: That was weird. So then the guy goes back to Largo, and we see Largo's estate, Palmyra. And as soon as Largo finds out the Bond found him, he feeds him to the fishes. Yes.
0: It's quite a good stunt, actually. The guy that gets thrown into the pool lands right on top of a shark.
1: yes he does
0: i don't know how much they paid him to do that but it better have been a lot i would hope so yeah and then we go and we meet q in a pineapple shirt
1: yes which is i i really like this pineapple shirt shirt and q uh that q's wearing and i i I know q says he doesn't like being on location but it's it's a nice little touch that we just have q here in this shack showing him all Mm -hmm. the special things i like that
0: yeah yeah, I like this too. I like this scene. I mean, I like pretty much all the Q scenes, really. Bond keeps monkeying around with this little propeller tank thing that pays off later on, but right now he just he's just like a five-year-old that can't stop pushing all the buttons on it, and Q just keeps making faces at him to stop.
1: Which is just typical.
0: Yeah, it's very typical Q. We get the camera that Bond shrugs off as being unimpressive, which Q takes offense to.
1: And we have the swallow, the the tracker in a pill which i'm so if that is so radioactive that you could track it from far away (laughs) that's gonna kill you well my
0: question is why do you have to swallow it
1: (laughs) there's also that yes
0: (laughs) is i mean i'm i'm not a medical doctor or anything but i don't think there's an enzyme in your stomach that makes things radioactive
1: (laughs) i hope not but seriously, if it is, because he specifically says it's radioactive. I mean, it doesn't use something else. It is specifically radioactive. So if you can track, use the radiation to track someone from like even half a mile away, that is not good for you.
0: <laughs> no, you should not have that anywhere near your body. I agree. Uh, we missed the little breathing tube that yes comes in to play many times in this film.
1: And gets used far longer than Q says it can.
0: Yeah, it, it's still a clever little thing. It also folds to a convenient pocket size, which means it just goes into a tube.
1: <laughs> it doesn't fold at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't fold at all. <laughs> and it's only convenient if you have a convenient pocket.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, as much fun as we make of this pill, I do like the button on the end of the scene when Bond like, looking now? at it and says, what do I do with it? Yeah, and Q says, what do you, what am I, he says, well, obviously you swallow it, and Bond just goes, now (laughs) like i just i just find that cute i don't know why
1: but i I really like q's pineapple shirt i like that they're blue i don't know there's just something very whimsical about it
0: no and and his little his little hat that goes with it i think it's a good it's a good look for q on location yeah we we get another shot back in london of another tape that's been sent to them by specter that they want uh diamonds used as payment for this ransom which I guess so. They can't mark the bills or something. I don't know. Uh, they and we have the Home
1: Secretary once again giving the timeline and how much time they have left. Diamonds are just a silly thing, especially when you're talking about that many of them, because it's not like you can just sell them. Then,
0: yeah. Like I mean, we we come into that in diamonds are forever, I guess. But yes, you. I would imagine they're not easy to sell, and and if you sell
1: that many of them, they're not going to be worth that much money,
0: right? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't... I
1: Yeah. Just give him money. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Also, a radio frequency of 16.23 megacycles. What is a megacycle? Is that the same thing as a megahertz? Is that like... I guess so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's my guess. Okay. At this point, we have Bond going to do some reconnaissance work on the disco Volante. He decides to go out at night wearing bright orange, which I question.
1: Uh, so... What's the deal with him wearing the full wetsuit top with n- with no bottom? Like, what is the benefit to that? <laughs> I don't
0: know. That's, it, it is a weird look, I think.
1: Yeah, especially because, like, his underwear sticks out in the leg holes. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it's very unflattering.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> very, very unflattering. Um, He goes over to the Disco Valente. He gets spotted by some guy who's under the water. We see... We see Largo come up in a flasher jacket bathrobe thing because clearly he's been woken up. Um, they turn on the underwater camera, which happens to be right there in their face. It pointed,
1: like, right at them, like, close up, <laughs> yes. zoomed in and everything. That was impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is impressive.
1: Like, even that they had that camera pointed right at them, but that that was the one, can't they like, of all the cameras, they happened to choose the exact one that was pointed right at them. Yeah. Because the only way they could have a camera that was already pointed at them is they have like a hundred cameras under there or something,
0: but they happen to pick just the right one, I guess. I I don't know. It was impressive. Yeah, it is. I will say, and I think that there's too much of it in the movie. And I think it's just because they were enamored with this, but I think they do a great job with the underwater filming.
1: They do, but it goes on too long.
0: It does go on too long. It's the first time I think in a film that they've ever really done this much underwater. I think Mm -hmm. it's something like 25% of the film. Which is pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and it clearly is real underwater. It's not that weird, we're going to blow air in your face and move your hair around and put fake bubbles in in, in the way. This is legit underwater photography. You mean like in The Spy Who Loved Me? Yeah, that one. Yeah. And in uh, For Your Eyes Only as well. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it does go on too long, I think, especially at the end.
1: I mean this scene is fine but late but yeah in the climax of the film we have way too much underwater
0: uh, he gets away from these idiots in a boat because he lets them run over his air tank and then let go of it and then they say oh we must have hit we must have hit him with the propeller but let's not look for his body let's just leave
1: I mean that was a clever use of the rebreather it was yeah and then he comes on shore and happens to meet up with Volpe
0: yeah that was really amazing timing actually that yes. she happened to be going right by at the same time in another Ford Mustang.
1: Yeah, and I'm sorry but that road is not a road that you could actually go that speed on. It is not. Even with a car today with, you know, all the fancy, you know, feature uh, additional traction features that today's cars have, you wouldn't be going you couldn't be able to go those those speeds on a on an unpaved road like that. But certainly not in the 60s. No,
0: I would argue though that you can go 100 180- 100 miles plus on any road when it's
1: just rear projection (laughs) true you are not wrong (laughs) (laughs) but the road that we are meant to believe they are on is not a paved road it's a like dirt track sort of thing there's all sorts of Uh, yeah leaves and stuff on the road right it's not straight (laughs) there's no way (laughs) that you're going 120 miles an hour on this road. It's not possible. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. We
0: get that exchange. So they end up... Turns out she happens to be at the same hotel, which is very convenient, Mm -hmm. as Bond points out. He does. Uh, We get the exchange of... She remarks that he looks pale and that some men don't like to be driven, and he said, no, some men just don't like to be taken for a ride. Yeah, which is a nice line. Yeah. So now we've, we've met her, and then... I believe we're back up in the in another helicopter at this point.
1: Yeah, because every Bond movie has a helicopter.
0: Every Bond movie has a helicopter. We get lighter in some ugly Hawaiian shirt.
1: His Hawaiian shirt is not nearly as bad as, or I mean, is is much worse than Q's. Is what I'm yeah. His to say. his
0: shirt is much worse than Q's. Yeah. This is again. This is another part where I think the movie gets a bit flabby because they fly around a helicopter for a while and don't really accomplish much. No. Although they do fly by. They fly by Largo's house and see the the tank with sharks in it. Um, what we don't see, or what they don't see, is that Fiona Volpe is shooting Skeet with Largo. And again, like this is another scene where she's clearly better than him. Mm-hmm. She comes off in a more sinister way than he does. She's actually ordering him around in some ways because she's saying, no, you you don't get to kill him. I'm going to kill him when it's the right time.
1: Yeah, no, she's pretty sweet. I And I... I uh... I mean sweet in like the that's cool and sweet not as in she is like so a sweet a sweet person yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I agree Volpe is is pretty awesome
0: we we get another in a long line and we'll get this a lot again going forward of scenes where for whatever reason the villain of the movie invites Bond and has him over to, for dinner or to hang out yep. or whatever I don't understand why you would do this at all
1: <laughs> I don't either It. Because he's just basically showing Bond how to, like, sneak into his compound here. Yeah. How to
0: sneak into his compound. He mentions the Golden Grotto fish, or the Golden Grotto sharks, which come back later. Mm Mm-hmm. We get more excuses to have Claudine Auger going around in swimsuits. Like, when they're, like, they're watching her dry her hair, and she remarks that she's going to go change, and then she comes back in a bikini.
1: It works. It's just... Yeah, she changed? It's a change. She did...
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, she she laughs, like, she's like, I better go change because all you're doing is staring at me. And then she puts on something that's even more revealing at some, you know, whatever.
1: Right, because, I mean, there is an implication there, and it it, it works.
0: It works, yeah. Uh, He... This is when... Largo, or Bond offers to take her to the Junkanoo and Largo accepts again for some reason.
1: I, I think he's hoping that she'll just get some information out of him.
0: Maybe. Oh, and then Fiona Volpe goes into Bond's room and they get rid of his assistant, unfortunately for her. We then go to the Junkanoo and and Lighter comes in and says that Paul is missing. And that's when Bond leaves Domino with Lighter, I believe.
1: Yes, and he... Uh, arranges to have a blackout so he can sneak into palmyra which i I do like this i do like i do enjoy this scene where he's like hiding from the guards and sneaking around and such yeah yeah he stumbles across
0: paula who's she's killed herself with cyanide pill Mm -hmm. because she's been taken captive And, and i think this also starts to set up the we didn't mention him but there's a i think he's polish i don't quite know but he's He's the nuclear expert.
1: I believe they said Largo he was Polish. Yeah. Yeah,
0: But I think this is really the beginning of when he starts to turn. Yes. When he finds Paula there.
1: I, I think so.
0: Yeah. Because throughout the course of the film, he kind of becomes less enamored with Largo and then eventually turns on him in a way. And I think this is really the beginning of that. Yeah. But I, I do like this, this sneaking around bit, uh, sneaking around the compound. And then he gets into a fight and then they end up in the shark tank or in the, in the swimming pool that connects to the shark tank.
1: And Bond is smart. He uh, stabs the guy he's fighting, knowing that the blood there will attract the sharks and he can get past the sharks. Mm-hmm. Which he does. Which he does, and apparently none of the people waiting for the sharks to do the man thinks that that could happen.
0: Right. Because there's nobody over at the other tank.
1: Also, there's a fun scene where Bond is swimming through the tunnel and a shark approaches, and you see Bond go to the side, and you see a scene where he's totally not behind a screen.
0: Right. Um, I, I did hear at one point that there was a gap in the screen and the shark went right through the the gap in the screen because the shot of Bond reacting to the shark
1: mm-hmm.
0: is not Sean Connery acting. That is Sean Connery freaking out because there's an actual shark on the side of the glass. It wasn't supposed to be.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: But yeah. He's totally not behind a piece of plexiglass in that tank.
1: Yeah. No, it's not like his hands up against it or anything.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like that's that's the worst part of that it's like yeah you could get away with it if you didn't if you didn't have sean connery putting his hand on the glass
0: yeah exactly we get another use of the rebreather thing
1: mm-hmm. i assume it recharges between use
0: it might mu- yeah it must <laughs> that's a lot that's very compressed air too mm-hmm. so then bond gets back to his hotel and finds uh, fiona volpe in the bathtub in the adjoining suite because originally paula was in that suite Next to his, I believe. Yes. Uh, it turns out that she claims that they moved that the hotel moved her right next door. Uh, Bonds obviously suspicious of this.
1: Mm-hmm. She asked for something to wear, and that's a this is a yes. Yeah, this is funny.
0: Yeah, it's it, it. I'm generally not a fan of this objectification stuff that happens in these this era of the films, but I do like when you know she's in the bathtub and she says, "Would you mind giving me something to put on?" So he hands her her shoes.
1: Yeah. That one's good. I, and I think <laughs> yeah. it works in this instance because you know that she is giving as and she even starts it and is giving as good as she gets that it's not oh, yeah, bond absolutely. being skeezy towards a woman who doesn't want it. This is this is they are both they're oh, yeah. both heavy on the innuendo at this point. So no, it, this yeah. isn't uncomfortable at all. It's it, it's a funny line. It's a funny uh scene. It is a funny
0: line. Yeah. Cause she because she even um, she's amused by this mm-hmm. move that he makes um this is another couple here the two of them that I think have really good chemistry with each mm-hmm. other even if it's even if they're not really that into each other or even, maybe they are I don't I don't know I could I could buy it either way that she's either legitimately into him but still wants to kill him or is just playing it up for the purposes of this facade that she's doing um and I and I really like and this goes back in, in almost in a reference, or a response even, I think, to, to Goldfinger, where...
1: My dear girl, don't flatter yourself. What I did this evening was for king and country. You don't think it gave me any pleasure, do you? But of course, I forgot your ego, Mr. Bond. James Bond, who only has to make love to a woman, and she starts to hear heavenly choir singing. She repents and immediately returns to the side of right and virtue. But not this one. What a blow it must have been. You having a failure? Well, you can't win them all.
0: They end up taking Bond downstairs into a car. I'm not quite sure where they're thinking they're going to take him at this point. Like, kill him in his hotel room, I guess, right? I guess. Bond engineers an escape because these two drunks come to the car and he's able to set a little fire in the car.
1: Yeah, that worked. That worked out pretty well. The, the coincidence of the of the alcohol and the lighter all being right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good example of him kind of thinking on his feet and in, improvising something. Uh, he does he does get shot in the leg at this point, and we get we get a return of your uh, action music again that we talked about a couple yeah. of films
1: ago. Although it's only part of it. Like you hear the da 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 da, but they don't. They they only do the. They only do that part uh, in the final fight scene.
0: plays around with the rhythm part of it a little bit without the the main little mm-hmm. and eventually they come to the Kiss Kiss Club which is a reference to the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang song that, that makes sense. wasn't used in the film ultimately we talked in the uh, from Russia with love episode about whether bond has killed a woman before and whether he would be able to get away with doing such a thing uh at this point and i think this is the moment that yeah. comes the closest for me uh he's he he's trying to hide in the club and he grabs some random girl and starts dancing with her and then fiona volpe cuts in and i like the line where the woman says you should have told me your wife was here yes uh and she says she leaves and and they're dancing meanwhile one of the guys has a gun and is hiding out behind the band and i mean this this example of bond having really good instincts i guess because he's able to turn her around to the point where she gets shot instead
1: yes And I find it impressive that he, like, he was so quick to cover the wound. Like, he immediately, like, but not so quick that he got shot while doing it. (laughs) Right, yeah. And I, I, but I do really like when he sets her down at that table and he's like, mind if my friend says this (laughs) out, she's just dead. (laughs) Yeah, that's a
0: great line. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like this moment a lot. I I don't want to... We can nitpick it, but I think it's a it's a good scene. It is. Um, I'm only sorry. I'm only sorry that she's no longer in the film. I agree. But but otherwise, I, I do do like this a lot. We get and this is where you know this is where the scene the movie becomes a bit slow for me because we get yet another scene back in M i six,
1: which was completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah, we get another helicopter scene where they finally find the plane. More underwater stuff and might end up going kind of quickly here just because it it takes so long for some of this stuff. Uh, you know, he finds Durval, he takes his, or not Durval, it's Angelo, but Mm -hmm. he finds Angelo's body. He takes his dog tags and his watch with him, uh, and says, yeah, the bombs are missing. And then he, you know, lighter says, are we going to have to go ask Largo what happened? And bond says, I don't think we're going to have to, with the implication being, he's going to go to reveal what happened to Domino at this point. Right. Um, we get the weird underwater sex scene with bond and domino that i don't quite understand how that would work yeah
1: he just like shows up and then we see a bunch of bubbles and we're to imply that okay
0: i believe originally shot they had a moment of her bikini top that goes floating up after the bubbles but then they decided that was too risque and they cut it out we we, we then get the james bond foot fetish moment which i think <laughs> is just weird and unnecessary <laughs>
1: I mean, sir, why is this there? I don't know.
0: Why? Why do we have Domino step on a on a spine in the on the floor of the ocean and have Bond like suck it out of her foot?
1: To like help show show more like to make her like him more or something? I don't know.
0: Maybe I I don't know. We we get a pretty good scene though afterwards. You know where Bond is revealing what happened to her brother and she's now decided to help him and asks bond to kill largo for her meanwhile we have this guy vargas who we've seen multiple times is sneaking up on the beach i like i like the way she just casually says vargas is behind you
1: mm-hmm. and i like how bond doesn't even look he just sort of turns the harpoon gun and shoots him
0: yep <laughs> you got the point yeah It's a, it's a fairly obvious line but i still like it
1: it's good yeah it's not as good as she's just dead. No, it's not. No.
0: This is when he's leaving and Domino reveals that she knows this area on Largo's Island that you know she, people aren't allowed to go there and that, that there's stairs that go down to the sea. This begins a rather, again, unnecessarily long sequence, I think, of them Bond finding all these wetsuits on the beach, ha- hanging out and somehow managing to take out one of the guys with nobody noticing. Um, yeah. Goes down with them to the secret under, underwater cavern. Where the bombs are hidden.
1: Like, why were the wetsuits, like, just sitting there at the beach anyway? Why wouldn't the people have put on their suits before going down to the beach? Um, maybe there's
0: not enough room in the truck for all of the tanks and stuff? I, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't make sense, really. Um, I like how Bond is able to hang out on the boat for the entire trip out to where the bombs are and no one sees him. Um, but then they go into the cavern and somehow Largo immediately recognizes Bond, even though he's wearing yeah a skin cap, a, a skull cap, and a mask and all this stuff. Uh, this is where you can definitely tell that's not Adolfo Shelley behind. Oh God, you. no! <laughs> wearing wearing any of this stuff and swimming around.
1: Honestly, at first I didn't even think that I wasn't even sure that was supposed to be Largo. If it was one of his henchmen,
0: I think that's why they don't put the 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 swim cap on him, so you can see that he has white hair, because it's the guess. only way you can tell anybody apart. <laughs> yeah. Which is a problem later, I, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so so, we, so they get the bombs out and they lock Bond away in the cavern.
0: Yeah, which it turns out is a much bigger cavern than we thought.
1: Yeah, because why not? Everything is always huge with these people.
0: Yeah, and this cavern also has another way out.
1: Well, I mean, oh, it's only a way out if you happen to have a radioactive pill in your stomach.
0: Thank goodness. Thank goodness he <laughs> swallowed it and it hasn't dissolved yet. Cause it's still working like a day later. Yeah. Lots of underwater stuff. Again, this, I like it. It's just, it just takes too long.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think you could have cut about 15 minutes out of this movie and just cut, you know, shortened the underwater stuff. And I, and I get that they were showing off like what, what they could do and what they were capable of doing. Um, Oh, I should have mentioned that when they're on the beach, Bond gave Domino his camera, which suddenly now has been confused for the Geiger counter watch that M gave it, or that Q gave Bond at the beginning or earlier in that one scene. Um, cause now apparently the camera is the Geiger counter.
1: Maybe they both were always Geiger counters. I don't know.
0: Maybe. Cause he, he, cause Q gave him the watch that had a Geiger counter.
1: Yeah. I remember that. It never gets used.
0: And then the camera, which was a camera. But anyway, she has the camera. That's a Geiger counter. Largo catches her using it after they've got the bomb on the ship. He then proceeds to throw her under the bed and threaten to torture her.
1: And this is when the Polish guy walks in. Yeah,
0: the Polish guy walks in and interrupts this from happening. Uh, Meanwhile, they find Bond with the helicopter, and they winch him out of the hole that that is conveniently located so they can do that. And then this, I believe, is where we get the start of the very long climax underwater here, where we have... Well, we find out that they're going to blow up Miami, which I think is a dubious target, but it is close to the Bahamas, at least. Uh,
1: it is close to the Bahamas, but yeah, it is a strange target.
0: We get a rather cool shot of these paratroopers, I think, coming mm-hmm. out of the airplane. Uh, I Again, I like a lot of this, it's just, there's too much of it. Yes. Um, the paratroopers are, are being dropped into the water to go after Largo's group. They're all wearing orange, they're... the. Largo's people are conveniently all wearing black, so at least we can tell who's who, even if we can't see any faces here.
1: Well, that actually makes a lot of sense for real life, too. Because oh, they would yeah, to absolutely.
0: Know. yeah, you'd, you'd want to know who was on whose side. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. It makes more sense, I think, for the for the good guys, so to speak, because, I mean, Largos might not be expecting other people in the water, but at least right. they're all wearing something similar. Um, you get this very long, very well-choreographed, I think, fight sequence uh, among these two sides. Unfortunately, we we don't know who any of these people are. It sort of starts to feel a bit like, you know, the CGI fighting that we get in a lot of movies these days, where it's just yeah. these faceless people going at it. Um, we get, we do see Bond get dropped into the water with that giant tank thing on his back that we saw earlier. And Bond doing his Bond thing of flying around through the, through this fight and just ripping masks off people and, yeah helping out the good guys and doing in the bad guys at the same time yeah it's 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 really well done i think it is Um, i would cut some of it out but you know like
1: i would cut like all the stuff in the wrecked ship maybe don't bother with that yeah
0: maybe yeah 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 maybe i mean i do like when he takes off the tank and leaves it down there and they swim down and drops the little bomb in yeah and then i like how the little the one like fin goes floating up out of the hole
1: that i did really like the one the the, the one fin floating up that was good yeah, yeah
0: yeah so after all this happens eventually the the good side overwhelms largo's men and take the little submarine thing captive and take the bomb away largo escapes with a couple people and bond goes after them he does in the other guys so largo can
1: get away and then bond grabs onto the boat as the as the disco volante sails away uh yeah and uh, we've got the coast guard and a like straight up naval destroyer coming after them now
0: yeah they they really uh go all out as far as who they're going to send after this i mean they do have a nuclear bomb at, at the end of the day i guess so yeah. you kind of do want to make sure that that's a secure thing we then have the conversion effect on this this Yacht, where it turns out the back end is detachable and it turns into a hydrofoil the front end does
1: and the back end is just like a has a giant gun that they're using to shoot because yeah like what convinced these people to actually shoot at the u.s navy and think that they and not just you know dive off the ship and try to save themselves
0: it's a big gun but it's certainly not a big gun like they have on the destroyer right that they end up blowing up this the cocoon part of it with yeah that's true.
1: Well, anyway, we're back on the we're back on the here, and Bond sneaks into the into the bridge and starts taking out all the people.
0: We we get a whole lot of undercranking fighting going on here.
1: Yeah. And we get a lot of rear projection of the ship almost crashing into the same islands over and over again.
0: Well, I was going to say, I don't think we get a lot of it. We get the same rear projection over and over again.
1: (laughs) What I especially enjoy is that at one point, Largo grabs the wheel to avoid hitting two different, two islands. And then like, Thirty seconds later, Bond does the same thing to avoid the same islands. The same islands. I
0: do give them credit. The two of them credit the actors for really going with this. Oh like, yeah, they're really working that steering wheel, you know. Like, <laughs> but the the question I have is: so Bond is fighting these, these, you know, these these guys on on the bridge, and eventually, for whatever reason, one of them starts to show up with a bottle of champagne, and that's when Bond grabs. the the throttle and throws it to basically throw the guy off so he doesn't get hit with the bottle, I guess. Why does nobody slow the boat down?
1: That's a very good question.
0: I mean, it's not like the boat is forever now going super speed.
1: But it is, because they never actually slow it down.
0: (laughs) We get a long fight sequence where, you know, and again, your favorite music comes in here, Mm -hmm. uh, where they're you know bond throws a guy out the window and and but eventually they manage to not quite steer around a a rear projected reef of some kind and the boat hits something and they all get knocked to the floor bond starts to get up and largo has a gun on him and looks like he's about to shoot bond when suddenly he gets shot through the back by domino which is a moment i really like
1: yes that was very good I'm glad I killed
0: him. You're glad. Almost plays like the end of From Russia With Love, but I think this is an even better moment here where she, she's she been asking Bond to kill Largo for her and she ends up getting to do it himself.
1: I, I like the the Polish guy's here and Bond's like, who's this? And Domino's like, I don't know, but he helped me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So then they all jump off the ship before it crashes because, again, they still can't slow down.
0: Right, and, and he's jammed the controls somehow by falling on them. I do like, again, the Polish guy where he's like, I never learned how to swim. And Bond says, never too late to learn. He gives him the life preserver and pushes him out. And then we
1: never see him again. So I assume he did, in fact, drown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, And then we get the... This is a massive explosion, by the way, of this ship. That yeah! Hits like the, the rocks. Huge. They, so... In one of the interviews, the John Steers, who's the effects guy, says they got this rocket fuel
1: <laughs>
0: and to use to blow up the boat. And they had no idea how strong it was. <laughs> he claims that they're about 30 miles offshore in Nassau and they blew out windows on the beach <laughs> from this explosion. That's amazing. So, so, yeah, then they're in the water and this inflatable raft thing gets dropped down from a plane. And... They swim in, and then Bond inflates this little thing, and it goes up into the air.
1: And the plane catches it and pulls them away. The end. I
0: don't know how well that works. It doesn't. I don't know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I can tell you right now, it doesn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would think that the shock of being lifted off the ground by an airplane would be a bit too much for the human body, but who knows.
1: And I just don't think it works cinematically either. Like why why is this here <laughs> yeah
0: because it looks cool i guess i don't know i mean this is a thing this is a real thing that plane is a legitimate mm-hmm. device that they've tried to use i don't know if it's ever been used in real life but it's a real thing they didn't just make it up and i have a question for you actually mm-hmm. um at the in this scene as they're sitting in the raft and about to go up into the air what music is playing here in your when you were watching this
1: uh, when I was watching it, I was watching uh, the 4K version from iTunes, and it was the Bond theme.
0: Okay, because there's actually two versions of this, and I don't know why, and I don't know which version goes with what. Because when I had the, when I had the DVD back in the day, when they had, I think they went all the way through, probably the world is not enough. And it was another cue that's actually on the album that is, it's more the Thunderball theme mixed in with the Bond theme. Hmm. And then there are other versions out there with just the old, that classic recording of the Bond theme that we've been hearing since Dr. No. And I've chatted briefly on Twitter with uh, Neil Bulk and John Burlingham, both of whom are involved in Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the scoring film scoring industry. And Burlingham wrote, literally wrote the book on Bond music And they basically said, yeah, there's two versions and nobody quite knows why or why they are interchangeably used at times. Sometimes on TV you get one version and other times you get another one. It's just, it was just a, I was just curious to see which version that you ended up with, given your, which version you ended up watching.
1: And apparently there are some versions that say that Bond will return and some that don't.
0: Yeah, the one I have doesn't say that. Same. It does not say Bond will return. Yeah.
1: It just cuts to black. So yeah, that was Thunderball. That was, I I just feel like that that end scene just doesn't work. It it's jarring and weird, and it feels like the movie just sort of ends.
0: Yeah, like okay, we're done, and that's the end of it. I, yeah, it, it is. It is very short. I would say. I think that shot of them getting lifted out of the out of the thing is cool, but I don't. Yeah, I need a little bit more of a need a little bit more of a resolution. I would say. Yeah. Uh, Than then you get, because that's literally the climax of the film, and then two minutes later it's over.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, it just seems very strange. Yeah. So, this movie is, there are parts I like, there are parts I don't like.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that.
1: I, I would say it's the weakest one we've watched yet.
0: Yes, I would agree with that too. There seems to have been a conscious effort made, this is the first time it feels this way to me at least, of them saying, we need to do the last one but more. Yeah. And they don't succeed a lot of the time, I don't think. And I think uh-huh. that this is the first time where they got in their heads a little bit and said, well, we can't just do the last film. We have to do a bigger thing, a more impressive thing. And I think they they succeed with the underwater stuff, even though there's too much of it in there. But I think things like the pre-titles are a bit silly. The whole stuff at Shrublands is terrible and almost unwatchable at times. Uh, but then... You know, we have two really, I would say, strong female performances in this or female mm-hmm. characters in this in this movie. Uh, the villain himself is a bit of a nothing, I think. Yeah, it's it's funny because th- there was an interview with Michael G. Wilson, who is who becomes one of the producers later on, and he still is today. Um, and he, he had a quote once of saying, every time we go out to make a Bond film, we, we want to make a Goldfinger, but we always end up making a Thunderball. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a good quote. And I
0: think that was a remark around the Brosnan era. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where, you know, we're always trying to make this flamboyant but really well-paced and and done film, and they end up doing this over-the-top kind of bloated thing.
1: Oh, that definitely applies to three of the four Brosnan films. Yeah,
0: it does. And I think it applies to Thunderball as well. Yeah. It's, It's not... It's by no means unwatchable. It's no, but it's by no means a bad film. I think we'll we'll find no. out what a bad Bond film is soon. <laughs> in a, in yes. A, not ne, not necessarily next week, but in the weeks to come, we're going to start to learn. what Uh three bad weeks Bond from now for sure. Yeah,
1: and then four weeks also. And then five weeks. <laughs> anyway, I right, just okay. Five weeks. It's the man hmm, with the golden gun. That's tough. There are parts I like about that one. Um, yeah. Okay, it's it's going to be a bit of a slog for a bit. <laughs> it uh, will be a bit of a slog for a little while, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at PodSpiel or you can send us an email at SpielPodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film.
1: Do you have any final thoughts about this one?
0: Um, Only that uh, License to Spiel will return with You Only Live Twice.